0: This is David Bonilla interviewing Zhao Gu. So, Zhao, uh, what would you like to discuss with us today?
1: I'd like to talk about Truth in Society, specifically how it's been affected by technology and social media.
0: So, tell us. Talk to us.
1: Sure, yeah. So, with technology and social media, everyone is on like their phone or their computer or whatever. And if you're on, like, let's say Instagram or Facebook, they have this thing called targeted ads. And so what, what has happened, especially um, during election times, is that if you look at, like, very conservative pages, you'll get a lot of ads for conservative um, candidates. And that means that all you see is is views similar to your own so yeah so that means that you know you're raised well I don't want to say raised but like almost you're
0: you're fed into a rather narrow view of the world
1: yeah and and you're because you only see your view you're always thinking oh I, I have the only view I'm right and you're wrong and when people of opposing views go to talk to each other about their opposing views it it doesn't like now it doesn't seem as much of a conversation at, as it is more people yelling at each other because they don't have a common set of facts to talk about so and they have a closed mindset so they're unwilling to to even consider or listen to what someone else says and th- that has created a very divisive um and polarized society, um, especially when you think about truth. Um, if we take the coronavirus, for example, there are some people that think if they pray hard enough to God, it'll, it'll go away, or they don't think that it's a real thing. You know, they, they just go to the store and just buy some whatever and just don't give a second thought to it. And, you know, if you look on, like, their feed is probably supportive of their views of the coronavirus, whereas if you try and tell them, oh, but haven't you seen there have been, like, over nine million cases in the U.S., they, which seems like an irrefutable fact, um, they, they say, you know, no. You know that that's just like fake news, and yeah, and the term fake news, um, which has been uh, popularized by uh, by President Trump, has has may created a a very easy way to um,
0: discredit.
1: Yeah, to discredit people, to discredit the truth. Uh, might I also add, you know, so when when you think about the influence that technology companies have over over our society, you know, in 2020, I would argue it's it's very they have a very they have a lot of power over how we think. Because, um,
0: Facebook, for example, with its whole handling of misinformation and election fraud claims and all that.
1: Yeah. And if, if you look at the presidential debates of um, this year, like that happened last month, you can see the majority of what they were talking about, or or I, or I should better say, like arguing about, um, was more uh, about, not about policy, as in how they would be as president, but more attacking their their family um and their personal life and not necessarily not necessarily how they would be as president where you compare um that to what 20 uh, 2012 debate with uh obama and you know it seemed like the only argument there was policy you know, and at the end of the day it seemed like Obama and Romney like actually respected each other, you know, shook hands. Um compared to this past uh the first presidential debate, which um Less which,
0: interrupting uh, to say the least.
1: Yeah. It was it was not a conversation. It, it wasn't I, I wouldn't even say that was a debate. It was more, you know, you were yelling with your fingers in your ear, just, just and that was, that was what you were doing. And just comparing society now to how it was only eight years ago, to see such a dramatic shift onto social media and onto this polarization was very, very, uh, like daunting for me if you're talking with people, you know, politics is is a messy thing to talk about because if you don't know the crowd, if you don't read who you're talking to, it could become very, again, like very, very hostile because you won't budge on your views and they won't budge on your views, so why would you guys talk, you know?
0: Exactly. Like, people are more focused on like convincing other people of their beliefs, rather than engaging in a conversation and having an open mind and being open to accepting like other viewpoints. So it, it's very much a combative scene right now, uh, which is very unfortunate.
1: Exactly. Um, like, if you look at how technology's content moderation. Um, has has shaped the societal narrative. and it's it's very like minute on the content moderation, but it's very interesting to see how, like what uh, social media companies censor and what they don't. A couple of weeks ago, around election time, uh, Twitter censored some of President Trump's tweets, saying this uh, tweet may contain a false claim. But we believe it would be vital for um, other people to see what was said. Or like if you take like the whole Pizzagate conspiracy, that was all organized online and it wasn't even true. Like no social media company censored that congregation to come together and meet in real, in real life. Or like... um the Organization of White Supremacy Groups. Social media doesn't censor that, which which is like, they say they're being apolitical, but at one point or another, you can't stay apolitical about everything.
0: Very good. Very good. Not taking action against something is being political in
1: a way. Yeah, like not doing something is doing something.
0: It's upholding the status quo.
1: Yeah. And, like, um, if you think about how this has created false rumors and and false, like, blatant falsities to, to arise, there there was some statistic that said falsities spread faster than the truth. (laughs) It's definitely interesting how, how, People are attracted to rumors that they know are false, but they want to believe it. they you know, like they want that that added like drama, or that inside scoop. Mm-hmm.
0: Because more often than not, the truth is more fantastical or more you know you know like more like spicy, dramatic, like you said. Like so, it's more enticing for people to believe that.
1: It's really interesting to see how. Society has changed because of the coronavirus pandemic. It's
0: definitely made the class disparities more apparent.
1: Yeah, it definitely has because there are people who, who don't understand. Well, there are people who don't know what they don't know. You know, like you never know what someone else is going through until you walk in their shoes the most salient example i can think of is is um your your gender you know if if you're a man you don't know what it's like to be a woman unless you you're transgender and it, but if you're transgender you know you face a whole nother onset of problems that no one else can relate to unless they also uh, are transgender bringing it back to to truth in society it's very Interesting how truth, truth's value has been diminished in in society. It's more like um if you have influence, then it doesn't matter if you have truth. You know, you um, right. Right. you can say whatever you want to say and it doesn't necessarily like it doesn't have to be true exactly. as long as All you we'll
0: have it as gospel basically.
1: Exactly. If you take certain, um, certain famous people now, uh, like politicians or, or musicians or, I don't know, like sports athletes, they can get away with doing certain things and they can say certain things, whereas if they weren't famous, they wouldn't be able to get away with.
0: Yeah, with their position comes a certain amount of power, liberties, that really hardly anyone else is able to take advantage
1: of. Yeah, and it, it, it uh, reminds me about this scene in the Aeneid where there, there's just this tiny bird called Fama. And so it would go around the soldiers and, and whisper... It it would tie in truth with, with lies. And it would whisper into soldiers' ears. And the more the soldiers believed the bird, the more it would grow and and, and, and it would grow and grow and grow and and soon it became a monster. And that mixing of of truth and untruth is hard to delineate because it's easier to denounce something that's outright false. You know, if you say the sky is green every day, it's it's pretty obvious to, to denounce that. But if you mix something that's true and something that's false, you get a gray area where it's just true enough that you can't say it's false, but it's not completely true. And so when, you, when you're faced with something like that, you, you, you're in a tight spot because you, you can't call it out because it's somewhat true.
0: So you're kind of forced to dilute out the the falsehoods to try to get the pure truth. But getting to that point is difficult and difficult for most or for some, if not most people, because they're so narrow in their view that they think that the falsehood exemplifies the entire thing as opposed to just, you know, the falsehood and the truth.
1: Yeah. Like, um, a lot of kids, a lot of people just take what they read as fact and they don't say, oh, you know, where are your sources? Like, do you have any any evidence to back your statement up? And it's that, that like, that lack of critical thinking of, like, doubt and has, has created, like, sheep almost who just do what they're told, believe what they, they read without having any sort of like personal analysis or personal thought, um, devoted to what they're seeing. There are certain dystopian books, uh, like Orwell's 1984 or Joseph Heller's Catch-22 or Rob Hart's The Warehouse. And, they're, yes, they're all like dystopian, but they all have created um, like a hyperbole of their own society. So um, Orwell published his book in 49, that was right after World War II, Cold War, and he, he imagined um, the state that the main character is in as, as constantly at war with the other states. And so, he said, you know, the, that government wanted to be constantly at war so that their people would be united and wouldn't really ask questions about what's happening because, obviously, you know, there's a war going on. But free thought in that society just didn't happen because they were constantly being watched. And again, this this was written, you know of seventy years ago and um if you look at it now it's uncannily scary. Like, if you
0: society like, has come to that
1: point. Yeah, like like, you know, phones have have this thing called a camera and uh here's the microphone, right? And it's like without privacy, because people say, Oh, you know, I've nothing to hide, okay, whatever But without personal privacy, you can't really develop your own thoughts because uh, there will be other people's opinions infringing on them. Um, If you look at Edward Snowden, um, he used to work for like the NSA, CIA, and he realized the government wasn't, you know, trying to stop war with other countries. They were getting dirt on other countries so they could, um, like, blackmail them, essentially. And they were gaining uh, information on millions of Americans. And a lot of people in in uh, the intelligence agencies at the time just, just didn't think anything of it. They were like, okay, whatever. But with Snowden, um, I don't know if you know, he, like, uh, released a bunch of government documents to WikiLeaks and, and tried to get the truth out to the Americans that they were being watched by the American government. Sound, you know, sounds, sounds uncannily familiar to 1984. Um, just some like background, they're constantly being watched by everyone else. So it's, it's very individualistic in the sense that you don't know if the people next to you are going to uh, rat on you like you assume they are, because if they don't, they will vanish or, you know, like they, they will have consequences on themselves if they don't tell on you. So that creates a very, um, and also in, in you know, your living space, you have a device that you can never turn off and is like a, a, a window for the government to watch you. And And if you look at a more contemporary text while Parts of the Warehouse, he envisions this, this one giant company that employs the majority of Americans. And that company, again, you know, you have your 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 smartwatch or whatever, and they track where you go, how long you go there, what you do every second of the day. And it leads to no ability to relax or to just not be out of the public eye. Additionally, you know, there, there's a, a subversion of language in in both books in a sense which does play a part in how you think. You know, if you don't have a word for freedom how would you know what freedom is? Part of uh, 1984 there is um, there's a department that takes... There, there are basically three categories of words and they're just words like for necessity. So like eat, sleep, work. And there were a category of words specific to a certain department. I can't think of any words, but they're like those words. If you're not in like that department, you won't know what that word means. It's like saying to an engineer, Jungian archetypes, you know, like what, what does that mean? What does that mean if you don't if you're not if you don't know about it, you, you know you don't know what you don't know, and
0: that just creates like it creates further isolation. Like the same thing with like with your social media. If if you're isolated from other viewpoints, you're just you're stuck in that viewpoint. You you have no possibility for change. You're not exposed to other ideas, and it it really limits what you might call the truth. Like, the truth to you won't be the same truth to someone else, which, which is not ideal, since we need, like, at the very least, a fundamental foundation for what the truth is in order to, you know, facilitate any meaningful conversation.
1: Yeah, like if, uh, if I say an example, someone is robbed. Depending on, on who you are and, and the situation, you could say, oh, that person deserved to be robbed. And, and you, you'd spin the story a different way. So instead of saying, you know, Johnny was robbed by a robber, you, would say, you could say something like Johnny was a corrupt man and the person robbing him was like a Robin Hood. And you'd spin the story so that it, it makes the robber look like a hero. Whereas on the other hand, you could say, Johnny was an average guy, he you know, he didn't do anything wrong, and this robber just decided to rob him out of nowhere, which also isn't true. Like you know, like both versions you have someone being robbed. But in both versions you have a, you have that truth nestled inside a falsehood. You know, like, it, it, it's, people saw him being robbed, you know, and people made different conclusions on that situation, which made you think, oh, you know, I saw that. Yeah, that's true. And I believe everything that, that like, the conclusions that people t- jumped to, even though that may not necessarily be true. You know, like, you didn't ask why did he get robbed or why did the robber decide to rob him. It was just you saw it and made an instant conclusion.
0: Yeah, you For the most part, everyone is an outsider witnessing an event, like in your case. Like people are just watching someone getting robbed, and they make their own conclusions based on what the evidence was given, based on what evidence was available. But if you know, if they took the time to do their own research and, like, if possible, ask the robber why he robbed Johnny. Or if Johnny did anything to that robber dude, then, like, maybe we could get a bigger picture, like, the entire picture of what happened.
1: Yeah, but what happens is uh, social media has, has polarized your view. So if you see, if, let's take Johnny getting robbed, and you, you think a certain way, I guess, then you will only p- be presented with the facts that align with your views. So you wouldn't get a, a an all-encompassing picture. You'd be getting like, um, it'd be like seeing the world through like a tint. You'd have like a, a, diff- a tinted perspective where you only see what you want to see. You know, like if you see Johnny getting robbed, you will see what you want to see, you know? And not necessarily the truth, just because this is, this is for everyone, like, your personal what, your experiences and your views cloud how you look at things. And I'm not like saying social media has like inflamed that. I'm just saying like no no one's truly unbiased in whatever happens, you know? Like if you say Johnny is robbed, maybe, you know? Like it again comes back to language.
0: Depending on how on which direction the me, the media outlet is Lean towards, like they they use like certain words, certain like certain keywords to in, incite certain emotions in people, to to, th- to look at a an incident like that in a certain way.
1: Yeah, like it, if you just look at um how news sources covered, on you know, like Trump's handling of the pandemic. You know, you have some sources saying, you know, Trump is doing all he can to To protect the American people. You know, he has a task force. He is rushing a vaccine to get out by November or December. And then you have the other side saying, Trump is just playing golf, and he's not doing anything to help, you know, the, the average American. And then you have some, well, every news source is... is Uh, biased, but some of the most unbiased ones uh, now in this society have, I wouldn't say been forced to take a side, but people have interpreted it as taking a side. So like, if you say, if you say something like, Trump won Pennsylvania and therefore he won the election, some, some sources will say, you know, he won the election. Other sources will say, there was voter fraud in Pennsylvania, and he did not win the election. And, uh, I remember Trump got mad at Fox News for declaring Arizona, for declaring a state that wasn't, like, fully, that didn't have all of its, um, votes in yet. And, and it was just very, very interesting how he got mad at that, even though, like, Numbers are numbers, you know, like if you see someone has like a 300,000 vote lead and there's, um, and like all the results are in, then I mean, numbers are numbers. It's so objective that you can't debate numbers.
0: Yeah, and then he, like, yeah. as far as supporters, like, they... Like like on the news, like you see them protesting. Like I remember a few weeks ago in Arizona, they were protesting to you know keep counting the votes or whatever. And then while where he was falling behind, and then in other states like where he was you know leading, their his supporters are shouting you know stop the vote or stop the count or whatever. So like, yeah, it's like what
1: there's an inconsistency. In that, like, why would you stop counting in some places but keep counting in other places? And and it was very interesting you said, you know, count the vote.
0: Because since Trump was was falling behind, they wanted more votes to be counted so that he could overturn Biden.
1: Yeah, it's it's just very interesting how his supporters that went out and chanted count the vote didn't take a step back and think why would i go out and tell poll counters to count the vote if they're going to count the vote you know you know what i mean
0: yeah
1: yeah it's just
0: opposite in states where he was falling behind like they wanted him or where where he was ahead they wanted to stop the count
1: i don't think that you should you should create an inconsistency like that um because it was very like Trump wasn't even hiding the fact that he was losing in other states, and that's why he wanted votes to be counted. Like, it was very easy to see his logic in what he was doing. Exactly. But it it, what, like, it was easy to see his logic, but looking at his actions, it wasn't logical.
0: And right now, like, he, he has filed all these lawsuits in all these various states, you know, demanding a recount or wanting certain votes, you know, like, thrown out or whatever because of their supposedly illegal casting um, and he's just right now he's trying to prolong that and like he's he and he has been doing this since the beginning like he's been discrediting like the like the mail-in ballots and all that and like just yeah, creating like, this false
1: himself, narrative he, a he himself mailed in a ballot
0: yeah um, like like various members of the GOP yeah. submitted
1: mail-in and like, uh, I'm pretty sure he hasn't won a lawsuit against uh on like voter fraud, mail-in ballots.
0: All the lawsuits he's filed. I don't think he has. No, I think yeah, he's won know, maybe one. But it won.
1: I know he lost at least ten in Pennsylvania. Again, there's just like divisiveness in in politics that prevents people from getting things done. The the example that comes to mind is um when Obama tried to replace uh, Supreme Court Justice Scalia versus Trump trying to replace uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And when he was trying to replace Scalia, that was, you know, Senate said that is unconstitutional. You, you can't um, replace a Supreme Court justice so close to the election. And it was more time than the time between Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death and the election uh, this year. And you know the the Senate said, uh, you know Trump is um, he's exerting his constitutional right. There's no law saying you can't uh, you can't do that. And it's just like that that's just a classic example of of you know partisanship of, of playing favorites. You know, like why would you allow Trump to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg within like what like a month or two months of the election? But you couldn't allow Obama to replace um, Scalia. What like one, more one. than that time? Yeah, yeah, like farther away from the election. It's it's just like I just wanted uniformity. You know, if they both said yes or both said no, but but they had that that inconsistency again, which you 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 find so often nowadays. Yeah, like. Well, we'll see how how our generation handles that. the The Netflix movie, The Social Dilemma, does this really well. They show how social media shapes your view, and they use the example of a political view, and how uh, it was like this: this teenage boy who went to um, like a a conservative rally, and his sister, not a conservative tried to, like, convince him, like, that's dangerous to go there. You shouldn't go there. And the brother just didn't even um, want to try and, like, talk about it. He just said no. And it's interesting to see how, you know, what thinkers and writers and regular people in our in our generation respond to how technology um, affects have, have shaped how they think, you know. I don't know if if our generation will learn to like unplug, like for on unplug on a macro perspective level. So I don't mean like put your phone in a box, you know, for like two hours while you go to school where you use a computer, you know. But it's more like thinking about, do I do I really need to look on social media every time I'm bored or alone. What kind of things do I see on social media and how how is that reinforced my views or how has that shaped how I view other people mm-hmm. because I mean like I would say not a lot of kids already do that they aren't that that introspective because like it's a hard hard thing to do you know yeah, I mean, like I mean, it's,
0: it's not social media like it's a cycle like you get entrenched in your views on social media and so because you're stuck on social media you're not able to do that introspection and so because you're not being introspective you're just further getting entrenched in your views and it's just a cycle
1: yeah it's like um every time you you feel bored and your mind would would you know delve into some random thought process and you just be bored for a second and you you drift into thinking oh what what is that really done you know you you just think okay uh i'm bored pulls out phone starts scrolling through whatever you know and they, they lose that that just calm that that non stimulation that you don't get unless you you're not on a uh, on a device right
0: yeah yeah it, it, social media has almost completely wiped out uh, the opportunity for for us to really you know get in tune with ourselves and other people in real life it, so really the social media robs us of that valuable time for introspection to reevaluate our views to challenge our views to make sure that we we we, we still adhere to them on a fund- fundamental level and and to keep our connections to like family members like and to reevaluate our friendship our relationships with them. So, so social media has definitely become a uh, distraction.
1: Yeah, and and if I may add on to that, it it's almost robbed us of our our humanity in that it it's very different talking to you on you know through the computer screen than it would be if you were talking um like face to face because there are, are nuances in human connectivity that you you just can't explain
0: exactly like if you're not there with that person like humans like historically genetically ge- like genetically speaking are very social creatures like we have like since our since we first emerged like what hundreds of thousands of years ago Like we've had this innate, you know, sense of community and technology has like slowly chipped away at that, you know, communal feel, like because I have this, the world at my fingertips right here on my phone, like there's no need to interact with the people, with my neighbors, like with the people across the street. So, and because of that, you're robbed of that very much historically needed aspect of your humanity, really, like that social
1: interaction yeah like um imagine you know this is before quarantine you're like in an elevator with other people yeah. you know you're just riding down to like the lobby or whatever and you just pull out your phone you're like these you know I'm just you know and, and you don't don't make small talk and i get it small talk is is real is surprisingly hard but it's something that's learned one of the favorite mottos on my robotics team is, failure isn't an option, it's a requirement. And that's very universal, you know? Like, no one has ever succeeded at everything.
0: Yes, I would say, like, like you said, failure is required. Like, you have to make mistakes if, if you are to improve in any area.
1: It's just a very, a very stimulated, fast-paced society where you're just like, okay, on to the next. And you, you treat everything as like almost a business interaction.
0: Yeah, it's like, it reminds me of, like, those, like, Fordism and those, like, interchangeable parts that, that, and the factories, these factories where you're, you're like, each person does an individual job, and then, and then it moves on to the next person, like, on a conveyor belt, and that person does something, it's, it's all very mechanical, and, and, like, we've discussed, it's, it's very inhuman, like, it's, it's robbing us of our humanity, like, Yeah.
1: Yeah, and like with the the Ford factory line, it's you you just do the same thing for eight, nine, ten hours a day and you don't understand how your piece fits into the overall piece. There is this, um, New York Times video and it's about optimization. It's a satire on optimization. And basically it's like, you know, if you order your coffee on the way to the gym, then you once you're done with the gym you can just go to and pick up your coffee for work and if you break up your time at home um you know pack your gym bag the night before or whatever then you will have you know every single minute accounted for and you will not have any like dead time or any wasted time would be a a a more apt Um, name for it and the same thing goes for like um, the the society in uh, The Little Prince movie there's a movie on Netflix and it's like this very cookie cutter society where you have scripted answers and you have this watch that makes you that like tells you you know do this do that like whatever and there's this girl who whose mom you know has a whole life plan for her and the the story is about her like deviating from that plan um like looking at the neighbor's house which is not neat and tidy like the rest of the block it's like an oddball house and and she goes and explores like creativity um with him and it makes her think about like the society she lives in now versus the society of the um of the neighbor who saw him as like crazy or a kook just because he was um of a dissenting view.
0: I'm David Bonilla and this has been Inconsistency No, not really. Let's go. Hurry up. All right. I need to go okay. to Walmart yeah. to pick up my goods. I'm David Bonilla, and this has been Inconsistent Studios. Try again.